0: welcome everyone to the elevated producer podcast where we take a deep dive every week into how mortgage originators can elevate all aspects of their lives if this resonates with you then this podcast is a must listen we believe education is the key to originator freedom we'll share productivity tips and tricks from our personal experience from what we've learned from others from books from media and anywhere we find inspiration to elevate ourselves and you i'm your host chad ogburn I've spent 14 years as an originator before pivoting into a training role in our industry five years ago. My co-host, Cheryl Bromschwager, is a vice president, producing branch manager, certified mortgage planning specialist, and proven mortgage coach with Nova Home Loans. Are you ready, set, let's elevate. Hey, Cheryl.
1: Hey, Chad.
0: <laughs> I feel like that's kind of my start to it.
1: Hey, <laughs> you know, I think you, you say that every time. But you know, maybe maybe that's like your thing.
0: Yeah, I mean that's my little uh, catchphrase.
1: <laughs> okay. That or maybe anybody out there, you know, like give us some suggestions on what we could do better. <laughs> I'm open.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're like, please quit saying that, Chad. <laughs> yep. He's Definitely open up. to feedback. With a new <laughs> opening line, yeah, for sure. That's right, that's right. So, well, today I am excited because this is part two of what we decided to be a two-part series on annual planning and goal setting. Last time we talked about why you guys should be doing it. Hopefully it, it motivated you to go ahead and create an annual plan for this coming next year, and maybe you're sitting there going, what do I do? So this one's all about the nuts and bolts of putting it together.
1: Yeah, kind of the how-to, because I think, you know, again, that 10,000-foot view is uh, a little intimidating sometimes because you literally don't know where to start. And I feel like sometimes we, have, we as salespeople, as loan officers, have control issues sometimes, and we feel <laughs> like things have to be perfect To move forward and I feel like just let's make some progress progress over perfection because perfection is something that we may never get to we might you know and analysis paralysis is is something that that happens a lot to people who who want perfection or who won't allow themselves to do anything until it's perfect and I think that we really miss out on a lot of cool stuff that can happen by not being perfect so that would be my initial message is Let's not worry about being perfect. Let's worry about getting some stuff on paper, getting some analysis about where we are now to where we want to go, and then we can refine and, and move some things around when we need to.
0: Yeah. So, so what are it that people need to have available to them um, in order to, as you said, kind of know where we're at?
1: Well, I think metrics, right, data. is super important for you to be able to have a good, clear, concise plan. Uh, However, again, I don't think that we need to go to the point of analysis paralysis if you don't have all of the info. But for me, knowing how many units I've closed this year, what my income is, uh, what my average per unit income is, right, to help me kind of back into the math, um, would be important. My bigger data that I think is, is important is your conversion rate.
0: Yes. That's, I think that's an important one just because it, it speaks so much to do I need to be figuring out a way to get more leads or do I simply need to get better at converting the leads that I already have? So I think right. I agree I, that one's crucial.
1: If your conversion rate is better, I don't need more, right? Kind of right. how people sometimes say, we hear it on the news a lot where uh, Companies say, this is how much money you need, or or statistics say, this is how much money you need to buy a house in Colorado or in Denver. This is how much money you need to rent, right? Well, it's interesting because they talk about income. I like to talk about I can pretty much do anything with the money that I have if I don't have any debt or if I don't have any distractions. So it's about what I do with the money, not how much I make. So I think it's also about what I do with the leads, not how many I have of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very that's a great point, and I love the analogy because you know I always joke in my house in my greater um, family we have a, a, a CPA, we have an attorney, we have a hairdresser, and the hairdresser is the one that has her house paid off, pays cash for cars. <laughs> you know? right. So it doesn't matter how much you make; <laughs> it matters what you do with the money. <laughs>
1: it matters what you yeah. do with the money, and I definitely think that that is um, that is a huge. Uh, disconnect that we have sometimes we always think that we have to make more money. Well, I tell you what, we make more money. We spend more money, right? That doesn't right. necessarily equate to, right? To having some good systems in place. So budget obviously is, a, is something that, you know, we could even talk about on a podcast. I'm, I'm a big budgeter. Um, I've lived on commission for 26 years. Um, I know what it's like to have a month where maybe you don't have the money that you need um, and you pull from savings. And then those months where you're doing really well, you've got to sock that money away.
0: Yeah, yeah, that might be a great one to come uh, to talk about here in the near future as well. So, right,
1: right. okay,
0: so we need to we need to know what we closed, how much we made, how much we made per deal. If you guys can uh, find out what your lead to conversion is, which means you need a system to be tracking your lead. If you don't, that's okay, um, but maybe brainstorm a system that you can start doing that via, you know, this coming year, um, whether it's as simple as an Excel spreadsheet, uh, if you're if you put in any lead you get into your origination software, if you have a nice CRM where you can do that, um, that might be something you guys want to put on your list. But if you don't have it, don't stress about it. Um, get the data that you do have so at least you have a starting.
1: Right, and start tracking it. If you don't have something, start. Again, don't wait for somebody to give you a system, right? Just write it on a piece of paper. Right. Um, put it in a right. Right. You can come up with something. But I think, you know, that the bigger numbers or the the, the bigger picture is let's have some numbers to start with. Then we add to them as we go. So, like, let's, for example, say that someone. Hold on one
0: one, real quick, Cheryl. Hold on one sec. I do have one question about that before we move on. What do you consider a lead when you're talking about that? That's a good case. There's somebody out there that doesn't know. Yeah.
1: Well, right, because what is a lead? Is it actually an application or is it just a phone call, right? Like if you look at – I teach a lot of NMLS, continuing education, right, and if we really look at the definition of an application, we could have six points of data just in a phone call and it not really be a lead because it's not going to go into anything and create a loan application. So we can, you know, really kind of categorize things with conversations, leads, applications. And closings right so conversations are I just want the opportunity to talk to people to see if I could even be of help to them then maybe the next step is actually getting all of that data like what's your home worth how much do you owe what's your interest rate or what's your income so that I can see if I can help you qualify for a purchase if we take it to the next step then we've actually got an application so we might have multiple conversion rates I might have conversion rates from lead to application and then application to close.
0: Cool. Okay, yeah. And so I think, to your point, if you're having, it depends on how detailed you want to get, but in my opinion, if you get at least a phone number and you know their name, um, to me that was always a lead or an email, some way to contact them and who they were. To me that was a lead. so if that helps you guys out there, if you're like, I don't even know what to consider a lead, because for a while I considered apps lead And then when I heard that the conversion rate was 22%, I'm like, Psh, I crushed the national average. I'm like at 70%, right? <laughs> and then I realized, yeah, but I only get like 10, 10 leads a month. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, okay. So sorry to, to digress there, but I just wanted to make sure that everyone had an opportunity to uh, kind of know where they start with that.
1: Yeah, and I think as long as you're consistent with that, it doesn't matter what you're tracking. As long as you're tracking, right, coming up with with what those numbers are. So let's just use a, an example of a 50% conversion rate, all right, just because it's going to be easy math for the sake of, you know, not having a visual, right? We're just listening. So easy math, right, if I said, all right, I want to do, I want to close um, 100 loans or I want to help 100 families, right, and I have a 50% conversion rate, Okay, well, that means that I need to, if I want 100 closings, that means I need 200 applications at a 50% right. conversion rate, right? And then that means if my lead to app is 50%, that means I need to talk to 400 people, right? Right. Okay, yep. so that can sound a little overwhelming until you kind of break it down and you're like, well, shoot, that's like one person a day for a whole year. Right. Like. So really when you break it down and get to the nitty-gritty, it's not as overwhelming. So scale it to what is uh, uh, going to fit into your daily habits, right? So if you don't have time to make 10 phone calls a day, then you might not get five the ability to have five applications, right, if you've got a 50% conversion rate. So scale it to what you can do, what you're willing to do to meet your goals, Right. That could be another conversation. What are we willing to do to get there? And what's realistic? And then you can kind of set your goal from there. Like, okay, I obviously if I can't make that, but I still need to make X amount of dollars, I better figure out how to make more money per loan. Okay, Right. So that's changing your comp structure. That's totally doable at the company that we work for. Right.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, I think that's, keep going, I'm sorry.
1: No, you're good. Um, One of the goals that I set a couple years ago was that I wanted to increase my average loan amount, okay, because I was under where I wanted to be. My average loan amount was like 256000 and I thought, gosh, that's not an average good loan amount in Colorado, right? That's not good (laughs) for me. I need to increase that. So it wasn't about I needed to make more money. I needed to help more families. My goal was increasing my average loan amount. So how I did that, right, was I surrounded myself with people that were in the higher dollar market.
0: Ah, really? Right?
1: So instead of doing a bunch of $200,000 condos, right, I was now upping my game. I was elevating myself to a $500,000 average purchase price so that my loan amounts could start creeping up. I started being... strategic with my borrowers about their down payments, right? Instead of throwing 20% down on a property when they have a whole bunch of debt, let's look at maybe 10% down and paying off some debt to have a better financial picture. Um, MI, MI has become um, not such a big, bad, ugly thing anymore. In fact, it's a really positive thing because borrowers actually get lower interest rates when they're willing to pay a little bit of mortgage insurance. So when we're strategic about how we help people all of a sudden literally my average loan size jumped seventy five thousand dollars in one year and the following year a wow.
0: Oh my gosh yeah. yeah i mean that is the perfect example of why if you look at your metrics in your matrixes and say oh this is where i feel like i'm deficient for my you know and it doesn't need to match anybody else you know um That is the power of it. You can say, oh my gosh, I did 70% condos and they're all sub-200, you know, sub-250s. Well, yeah, now I just need to go and associate with people that are buying homes. Um, ah, That is brilliant. I really like that example. Uh, I think that really shows how we can take this data and move forward. Okay, so let's say someone comes along and they're like, great, I decide I want to help. Let's keep it with an even number. 100 families next year, and we talked about a little bit how to break it down. So then they get to the point and like great, all I have to do is talk to one person a day. Right. And they get stuck there. Yeah, I know it sounds silly, but how (laughs) how do we get them out of (laughs) that?
1: Yeah, no, you totally do. And then it becomes, who do I talk to? Right. How do I find the people to talk to? Um, So certainly loan officers who have been in the business for a long time have got a database and they can mine the database. But it's interesting that we still have call reluctance. Right. We don't pick up the phone. We say we will and we don't right? So what can we do to incentivize or help us focus to pick up the phone and make the call? And that goes to then the conversations that you want to have with the people. You're really not fishing for, I need a refi, I need a purchase. You're fishing for, how can I be of service? How can I be of help? And when you're talking to the borrowers, and this goes to kind of some of the ninja selling questions to help you get over that call reluctance, if you take yourself out of the selling mode and put yourself into the helping mode, you actually gain a lot of information in which you can be very helpful. So, for example, I call a borrower and I talk to them, and I'm not asking them, hey, can I do a mortgage review for you? Although that is important and does kind of right. come in later. But the initial phone call is, how are you? How are your fa- how's your family? How are things going at work? What is happening in, in, your, uh, you know, in your personal life? Are you having some fun? Or what, What's going on there? And then what are your goals and dreams? So NINJA refers to to those as Ford questions, friends and family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. Ford. So when you're having Ford conversations, you are finding out so much information that you can use to determine if you can be of help to them on anything related to real estate and finance. When you're talking to them about their goals and their dreams, right? Well, my daughter's about ready to go to college, and, you know, my wife and I are thinking about, you know, our, our retirement and where we want to locate. Oh, second home. Maybe we've, we've got an opportunity there, right? Yeah. Maybe there's an opportunity for ca- cash flowing college through, you know, a, a cash out refinance right? We, we're here at the daughters going to college so those are the things that we that we can help pull out of our borrowers to determine how we can help them
0: yeah that's brilliant and that's where we need to um, educate ourselves so that you guys can we can go out there and do those things because um, you know thinking outside the box of like financing uh, college through cash out refinance well the rates are potentially lower than a student loan rate. They're tax-deductible currently still, hopefully will be, going forward. Um, So those are all ways to think outside the box. And I like the fact that you talked about how you go into it with a sense of helping people, and I think that kind of plays into the annual plan in the sense of you need to write out your mission, your vision of how you want to help people and how you want your business to run. And if you come from it from a place of gratitude and of service, then that plays right into it. Yeah, so, okay, I cool. Totally so we, we, we're, we kind of touched on the fact you guys need a mission and a vision. We've talked on breaking down your metrics and looking at that, looking at what you did this, the current year. Um, and we've talked about, I don't know if we did it on this one or part one, we talked about coming up with your goals, whether it's helping family, whether it's a dollar amount, and really drilling down as to why you want to do that. Cheryl's mentioned several times about the comp plan. Um, if you're at a place where you get to pick your comp plan, then like uh, here at Nova, then something to look at. Are you making enough per loan? Are you competitive uh, right. in that realm? I think that's important as well. Um, and then kind of going back to this, the conversation we were just on talking about marketing and how do we plan for what we need to do marketing. So do you have some tips and tricks around that?
1: well I think part before we get to marketing I also want to mention to remember about the concept of what does my life look like when I've met these goals because then that becomes part of the personal thing right like yeah my life looks pretty good when I'm not working 100 an hour 120 hours a week with my hair on fire all the time i have systems i'm intentional and i'm on purpose and so for me that's what keeps my focus and that's what keeps my drive and my momentum is that i need to be fully present for my family i need to be having some self care and if i put the effort into my business that will happen so that's you know, fun to think about and hopes and dreams, right? Like, hey, I want to go on this amazing vacation, or I want to be able to cash flow college, or I want to be able to buy a new car this year. Like, what, what is going to fill you up? What do you need for your family, right? So, so that helps. The marketing piece um, is a whole nother conversation. A lot of people say, um, when I ask them the question, well, what's your marketing budget? How much money do you have set aside or are you planning to set aside for marketing this year? And I get a blank stare like, I don't know, nothing, $500, I don't know, right? Right. You might really want to consider where you're spending your money and how you're spending your money because a lot of times it, we do have to invest in ourselves, right? And so for me to say I have no money set aside for marketing means I'm not investing in myself. Right. I want to invest in myself first right, because that's what's going to help me meet my goals. So not having a marketing plan and not having a budget is actually really a detriment to a salesperson.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think <clears> this <throat> ties back into what I you guys hear me constantly say of don't run a well-paid or not so well-paid hobby, run a business. And that any business is going to be successful, they're going, they have a marketing budget. You, you have to have that. It's the only way to reach your customers. And so just like retirement, just like tithing or giving back, th- these are the things you should do first. And if you thought about the fact that, okay, if this was my mortgage business, then all of the marketing stuff is a write-off. You know, like Innova, will take it out pre-tax, so you don't even have to stress about that side of it. <clears throat> but it's a, it's a cost of doing business. So do you have a percentage you use? How do you come up with your marketing
1: budget? Yeah, you know, that's a good question, because it also doesn't have to all be all about money, because there's a lot of marketing that's free, you know, and so yeah. we sort of have to think about who our target audience is, who are the people we want to uh, to market to, and then where do we spend our money? So yeah, I, I'd like to think that there's a percentage, you know, um, 5% of my income, 10% of my income, right, might go to, to charity and to marketing, but I also look at some of the charities that I participate in as some of my marketing. So, for example, I want to have a designation of basically being a first responder lender, all right? She's your mortgage girl for anybody who's in the first responder world because that's close to my heart, right? Police, fire, teachers, versus EMTs, okay? So my marketing and my charities of choice surround that particular uh, target market that I want to work with in. So, for example, I will do appreciation events for the police uh, on law enforcement appreciation day on police week. I am loving on all of my customers currently and in the past and looking forward for obviously you know the the referrals that that might come from that but really it 's because I believe in what they do and I believe in giving back to them more than anything and what has happened when I took that mindset all of a sudden. I ended up with 25% of my business being first responder business.
0: And that's, I mean, I didn't even think about that, but that is so crucial that if there's something that is near and dear to your heart that you are, whether it's your church, <clears throat> whether it's, you know, your significant other's occupation, especially if it's something like, you know, Cheryl's significant other, that it's its more than just an occupation, it's a lifestyle, it's, yeah. it's, you know. Um, Man, tap into those those moments. I remember uh, we had a, a gal here who I've been working with for 18 years since I've been in the business. Um, she actually stole Rookie of the Year from me uh, when we were both in the business, but that's another story. She went part-time for a long time because she was raising her kids. And when the kids were old enough and she went back full-time when she came here to Nova, she just blew it up. And I was asking her about it. She said, well, I've been in all these organizations and stuff with, my kids it's just a natural fit and I get so many of my referrals from school and and things of that nature so yeah
1: being afraid to tell people what you do I think is important I think we forget sometimes that we shouldn't necessarily keep our business and our personal life separate especially doing what we do okay Um, there's no reason that we wouldn't want everybody that we know to know what we do if we're in the helping mindset That is exactly why we want everybody to know what we do, because we're helpers, right? And so for someone to say, well, I don't talk about that at my kid's school. I don't talk about that at the soccer game. I think you're missing out on opportunity to help people. And if you're good at your job, which we all are, they need our help. Because there's a lot of loan officers out there that are not good. There's a lot of order takers. There's a lot of uh, artificial intelligence that's telling people they can do this on their own. They can do this without a professional. And for me, if I'm helping someone with a $500,000 decision, that is not something that they should be doing without some professional help.
0: Amen. Guys, that's the mind shift. If you are struggling with bringing your business into your personal sphere of influence, and if you are good at your job, and you know that you are, you you need to switch from being like, well, I don't want to. I don't want to be that annoying guy that always brings it up. You know, there are there are better ways to do it, and we can maybe have an episode around that. But you owe it to them to protect them from what else is out there, because you are the professional, and, and that's the mind shift you need to have. And when I have that mind shift, my business did so much better because I suddenly realized, oh, my gosh, if I don't help these people, they might get some one of those predator lenders and they're going to be taken advantage of. And I actually have seen it with a buddy of mine's wife before I knew her. Sure enough, got into one of uh, into a Negam loan, and nobody explained to her how it worked, and she tacked on $10,000 onto her condo at the same time 08 hit, and her condo, because it was a condo, lost another ten. They were $20,000 upside down, and I had to break the news to them that they had to increase their payment by $450 a month just to get to an interest-only payment. Well, yeah. so if, I didn't know her at the time she got the loan, so in my defense, but you guys have to have that mentality of, oh my gosh, they could totally get taken advantage of, and yeah, it's a lot better than it was before the meltdown, but you still owe it to them to take care of them.
1: Yeah, and especially if they come to you and they say, gosh... Could you help me, right? Like, yeah. oh my gosh, I didn't really realize that that is, in fact, what you did. Boy, do I need some help, right? Oh my gosh, that is the best and most rewarding um, sense of satisfaction that you have when you can help your friends yeah. right? and your yeah. family. So, you know, like I said, some marketing is it doesn't always cost money, um, but but it is intentional. Um, I intentionally appreciate those of the people that i want to work with right so i spend money on appreciation gifts i spend money on lunches and um on police week you know i'm taking in donuts and donuts with the cop i take them to the schools so then i overlap between my teachers and my cops right and i take this the police officer into the schools and we have donut days with an officer and we allow the kids to ask questions and stuff and it's fun it's like elementary school um (laughs) But I mean, you can do things like client appreciations. You can do um, you know little tokens of I'm thinking of you in, in your gratitudes. You can you can be grateful to your customers just for having a relationship with them and send them a thank you note. And chances are you're going to get thanks for the thank you note. Yep. You don't do that. Right. anymore right? So, um, you know, we can do radio and TV and social media and all of these things. But really, when you're talking about marketing, I believe, unless you've got a millions of dollars to brand yourself, marketing is a very targeted area to those of the people that you actually want to work with.
0: Yeah, excellent. I think that was, that was a great point. And guys, if you're out there and you are you know on the more on the struggling side of things, realize you don't have to have a huge budget just like Cheryl said, it just needs to be a very intentional um, okay, so we got just a few minutes left. let's talk about um, the activities to achieve uh, whatever goal it is that they set. So what are some of the daily activities that you feel people need to be putting in their their annual plans and realizing what they need to be doing on a daily basis
1: right so on the daily about marketing or just kind of a, a scheduling?
0: I think just in general, just scheduling, just kind of, you know, in case they're like, great, I I want to double my business, what do I do? Because right now I just wait for the phone to ring.
1: <laughs> right. So we know that that's not probably going to happen. All right. So a couple of things that I do is I try to have one goal per week, all right? I set one thing that I say, no matter what, I'm going to accomplish it this week, Okay. Um, I'm a checklist kind of a girl, so when something gets accomplished, I like to check off the list. I've even been known to add something to my list just so I could check it off. Nice. Um, I know. That's like I have issues there. But um, I try to have a daily routine and um, a weekly routine. So, for example, I do some time blocking, right, for my, my own personal time. I do some time blocking for things that are going to help me get applications. That means making my calls, having connection with someone gets me applications so that you have to have time to do that Um, and you have to make time to do that you have to have a a CEO for a day every month right Um, we've talked about that uh, before I try to plan my week Sunday spend some time on Sunday looking at what my week looks like so I have expectations I can pull in anybody that I need help from so for example I need to learn um, a new program uh, or a new guideline once a week in my annual goal plan for 2020. I'm going to learn something new every week. Well, if that means I need training, that might mean I need to ask you for help, right?
0: (laughs) Right,
1: right. And I say, hey, i got to learn how to do this. Can you help me, right? Um, So some of those things I think are super important. Some intentionalities about meeting my borrowers face-to-face versus allowing them to just go online and click the boxes. For me, I I feel that my conversion rate improves when I'm face-to-face. So just saying I want to have more face-to-face is probably not enough. I actually have to encourage my customer, my borrower, to want to meet me face-to-face. So that might mean I have to change my email template. That might mean I have to change the language in how I'm speaking to them. And instead of saying, let me just email you a link, because that's the easy thing, to say – I would love to meet with you in person. I have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from noon to 5 available. Does any of those times work for you? Right? Right. Or or I'm willing to meet you on a Saturday. Whatever you're willing to do to meet your goal of more face-to-face, I think, is then what you express to your customer. So if all I do is continue to say, let me send you a link, I'm not going to meet the goal of more face-to-face customers. Right. So the goal, right. the activity, then all of the things that you have to do to make that activity become a reality.
0: I love it. I love it. I think that's a, a good way to kind of wrap this up, guys. If you get to the point and you're looking through your goals and you're trying to notch it down into those activities and you're getting stuck, again, reach out to us. Reach out to, you know, um, a trusted mentor you have or just a friend in the business and uh, see if they can't help you work through it. But before we go, Cheryl, is there anything else you want to add to this one?
1: I'm good. No, I think this was great. I love the goal planning time of things because it's uh, it's a big deal now, but then it really helps you focus. And I enjoy every quarter, which is what I had been doing, reviewing. Where am I? What can I do differently? What can I do? Um, uh, that, what, what What do I need to stop doing? What do I want to start doing? But for me, determining that I actually now want to do that every month, is super exciting because I get to do it, not that I have to do it. So think about with that yeah. mindset, you get to set some goals. You get to be in charge of your business.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's brilliant. And uh, with that, I think we're going to wrap it up, guys. If, if you're having trouble with the organization side of things, there's a great book out there called Getting Things Done, uh, and that would be pretty impactful if you're just like, I'm, I'm ready, I'm starting to go, I just fuck at it. Then maybe check that book out uh, and see if that helps. That's a good idea. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) With that, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Grab one or two of these takeaways and act on them this week because you cannot elevate without efforts. Have a good one.